welcome to Bear Archery's Hunting 101 podcast, where hunters new and old come to learn and find inspiration from stories of hunts gone by. Everyone is welcome to enjoy the outdoor way of life, and there is no better time to start than right now. So let's head into the great outdoors with your host, Dylan Ray. All right, guys, thank you so much for joining us this week on Bear Archery's Hunting 101 podcast, as always, presented by our wonderful friends over at Scent Lock, Scent Blocker, and Oz, uh, the entire powerhouse of Nexus Outdoors. I myself am, am the uh, kind of, um, I guess you would say camo snob, and everything has to match. Uh, so one of the biggest things I look for in a line of clothing is if it can get me from early season to late season. And the entire line of scent lock and the entire line of scent blocker can do that. So whether you're going out turkey hunting or elk hunting and you want to look more at the blocker line or whether you're a diehard whitetail hunter like myself, the scent lock line is phenomenal. So one of the brands at Nexus will have you covered. So go check them out, guys, because they are phenomenal. I've got a special guest of mine, a, uh, a big supporter of Bear Archery, a big supporter of the podcast. And uh, this is his first time on the show which I should have had you on long ago, so I apologize. But we've got Jonathan Karch from Three Rivers Archery. Jonathan, how are you, man? I'm great. I'm great. I'm happy to be on the show and uh, a longtime supporter. Love being part of it. And uh, I'm definitely doing real good with hunting season on the cusp of starting in my area. Yeah, should have had you on long ago because uh, Three Rivers are great friends of Bear Archery and, and have been a supporter of the podcast since it started. So um, should have had you on long ago, but I'm excited to... Uh, to talk about what Three Rivers has going on, um, talk about some of the bare traditional bows, and and uh, just have some fun, man. So I appreciate you uh, you coming on the show. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I always love talking archery, and I mean, bare archery is a staple to that. So absolutely. Now we kind of talked before starting to record, and we talked about, um, you know, obviously bows are about to start rolling out, and. Uh, and from 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 everybody, it's getting that time of year. This is the greatest time of year because we've got college football, bow season, and then new gear starts rolling out. So it's an exciting time. And we started talking about, you know, what can you even improve on? I mean, uh, Bear Archery has a gold mine in the Magrizer. So where do they even go? And, and that's kind of what we talked about. So uh, I'm anxious to hear kind of your thoughts on the Magrizer because I don't think I've actually got to talk to you about that bow yet. No, no, yeah, we haven't yet. Um, so anything that's on the takedown system is is just, it, it's amazing. I mean, there's a bow that really shines of just well thought out. I mean, uh, that that simple takedown system has not changed since it was introduced. And there's not a thing you can do different to it that make it better. Because it's, it's just, it's amazing as is. And there's so much demand for it because anybody and everybody goes, oh, do you have any bare limbs? Or, oh, oh, just need a bare riser. I've got, you know, old this, that, and the other. It'd be perfect to get using again. But, yeah, it was super exciting to see him bring the uh, the Meg riser back out. Um, I mean, you know, having a having an option like that back out, and especially with the, uh, uh, the camel pattern option, I think was really cool. And just seeing a little bit of history coming back without not really having to change too much to it. No, that's what's, you know, hearing guys in the traditional community, um, you know, you hear them talking like, dude, I've had these limbs for 
you know, however many years my granddad had these limbs and now I get to shoot them again um, because they work on the same riser. And, and that's what was so cool about that bow launch is, you know, you've got an old set of limbs, buy a riser and you can throw them on and use it. And uh, I think that's just, it's really cool that they, that they, it's also really impressive that they come out with such innovation and such a phenomenal shooting bow, but they maintain the heritage of it. Right, right. And I think that really stands really stands tall to it. Because, I mean, we sell a lot of bows, a lot of metal riser bows that have tons of adjustment tuning, bells and whistles. Then you look at this, <laughs> I mean, this old style riser, it's like, oh, you want adjustable center shot? Here you go. This is how we used to do it, you know, <laughs> forever ago. And it's, uh, it's nice to see uh, um, the old school way of, uh, of modern innovation, I guess, to it. Uh, like, yeah, yeah, this is it. Easy enough. And, you know, and that goes back to Bears. Um, it's not so much new anymore, but to their marketing slogan of the Fred Bear way. And, and that truly is the Fred Bear way of continuing to innovate, continuing to change, continuing to evolve, but maintaining who they are and maintaining what Fred Bear established and what Fred Bear started. And, and I've told the guys this. I told, I've told Chris Parrish this. I've told Alec this. It, you know, I believe that Fred Bear would look at the company and look at what they're doing and truly be proud. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, they're still in the flagship, um, especially on the traditional archery side of things. I mean, the flagship uh, bow lines out there, um, you know, everybody has a desire for it. You know, uh, when I'm, heck, when I'm anywhere talking with anybody about archery, you know, it, you always have the fan and bear archery there. It's, it's just, it's so near and dear to a traditional archer's heart of knowing that, this is what fueled traditional archery for so many years and paved the way to be able to have what we have now. And yeah, Fred Bear would definitely be uh, be real happy with uh, what what the company has and what they're offering and all the innovations and, and new stuff to it. Now you mentioned it, and I actually haven't got to. I haven't a I haven't messed with it yet, and b I haven't really talked to a lot of people about it yet. But that adjustable strike plate. How is that used in the setup of a bow? Like, what would you, why would you change your strike plate? Why would you, why would you adjust that? And, and what benefits come from that? Sure. Yeah. So um, it's, it's really helpful with, uh, with tuning an arrow because now you're not just tuning the arrow to bow. You have a little bit of the bow tuning to the arrow. So you're able to move both crosshairs on it to really get that precision tune in there. So adjusting the center shot, whether in or out, can um, can really, I don't want to say soften, but but work with the spine. So I find um, a stiffer spine likes closer to center shot. So instead of, you know, trying to add more weight out front, trying to weaken a spine, you can just tweak that back to move your, your arrow to sit closer to center, and it'll like that heavier spine to the stiffer spine. Um, same thing in reverse. You know, if you need to weaken it out, you don't need to be cutting on the arrow or, or adding more point weight to the front or any of that. You can just uh, tweak the bow a little bit, everything's staying the same, and be able to see new results from it. And it's just the little things. You know, uh, you're not having to do as much tuning or tweaking on the bow as you would adding weight on the arrow uh, to get results. So it's it's a really nice feature once you've got you know you're you're all the way ninety percent plus dialed in. You are right, just just that little bit more that gets it flying perfect so that would be so if the strike plate was all the way in um that is is that perfectly center shot uh i believe it's 
pass center for that, but then you'd have to see how much of the, the rest is sticking out. I don't remember how, how thick that is there, but um, I, I think you. if you're going all the way in is if you have a, uh, you have a bigger shaft, say like 1132nd one arrow, that would put it closer to center on the bow. I got you. See, what's, what's funny is, uh, like I said, I'm new to traditional archery and I love the learning process of it. I love bringing everything in. Um, dude, I, I think I've called three rivers probably more times than they want me to. Um, <laughs> and just asking them questions, uh, which is why I absolutely love your company. Um, because you're a wealth of knowledge and, uh, and I call those guys all the time and they're probably like, it's Dylan again. And, uh, <laughs> he's got another question, but, uh, I'm shooting a micro diameter arrow out of my out of my recurve setup right now and uh that strike plate's all the way in and i'm getting perfect arrow flight so does that mean it's a very stiff arrow that you said if it wants well your bow can uh, uh it can tolerate a stiffer arrow when you have it um, um deeper on the center shot gotcha. board, especially uh, centered on it because it's not needing to flex around the riser as much so you can have a stiffer arrow which is nice for then you know being able to put more weight out front and and still be able to uh, uh have heavier weight with it. Yeah. Um, that, that kind of answers a lot of my questions actually. Um, uh, because in my mind I was thinking, well, I, you know, I just had these questions cause I was like, well, on my old bow, which I understand is a complete different bow, but I was like, I was running a 500 spine with no weight out front. And now I'm running a 400 spine with 260 grains out front. And, uh, I'm like, that just isn't adding up. Like I should have had to cut this arrow to stiffen it some um but now you've answered kind of a lot of my questions now because i didn't have to stiffen the other arrow because of the strike plate right yep yep and then having a, a especially if you have where it's got because the, the nice thing with that riser it's a little bit of a cushion to it as well um because there's one little tuning tip that a lot of people don't don't think about with it if you go from like calf hair it's incredibly slick but it has no give to it you go to a a little bit of a leather cushion, um, or even you know Velcro that's got a lot more cushion to it. Your arrow will tune a little nicer because it's got that little bit of cushion to uh, to play with on it. Where like if you're on calf hair, yeah, it's an incredibly slick release, but it has zero forgiveness. Um, you know, it's it's hitting hard uh, the hard shelf right away with it. Um, so you got to have a little bit more precise. There's for like uh, uh, on the Kodiak and that that's got the feather rest, man. It's got plenty of cushion so that it can. Uh, you know, if you've got a bad release, not even a bad release and how we think of, you know, where you slap your face while you're going away, but just, you know, that little bit of, um, you know, uneven pressure to your release, having that cushion to it can make a huge impact on saving the shot. I got a question for you. You said bad release. Um, and I've got one. Uh, no, I'm just kidding. Um, I do, but I'm constantly working on it. Um, this is why, and, and I've got so many questions lined up because every time I have every time I have the opportunity, and this is what I want to encourage the listener, whether you're just now starting in, in compound archery or whether you just now made the switch to a recurve or whether you just started hunting, period. Anytime you have the opportunity to talk to somebody with more knowledge than you, pull in as much of that as you can. Like, Don't be afraid to ask questions. Don't be afraid to, to say, you know what, I don't understand this and I, I need help. Um, because that's how we become better archers, better hunters, better outdoorsmen all around. So, uh, I'm still in that process of anybody I talk to in the traditional world. I'm like, Hey, I got a question for you. Hey, I need to know this. Hey, what about this? Um, and so I do have a question and this just came up. 
I've never in my lifetime struggled with slapping my arm with a string. Um, and, and I didn't even when I switched to a recurve. Um, and I shot for about a year. And then two weeks ago, for about a three-day time period, I was slapping the crap out of my arm. And I'm like, why am I doing this? And so I would try to, like, I would put more bend in my elbow. And I mean, I tried all of these different things and I was still getting string slapped. And, and I, I was like, okay, something has changed. I thought maybe, uh, maybe my clicker's messed up and I'm way overdrawing, uh, you know, and, and I measured everything and nope, still right on the, on the dot, 28 and a half inch draw, measured brace height and all that stuff. And I'm like, I have no idea why I'm doing this. But I went through and I've I've got over it now. But for for like a four day period, I was getting furious because I was slapping my arms so hard every time I shot. Any idea as to why? Well, you said you checked your brace height because that's usually the first culprit. I did. Yeah, I did. Okay. Um, what was it at? Um, seven and five eighths. Seven and five eighths. That's. That's good. Well, and it's a takedown, right? That's the the mag. Yeah, that's the mag riser. And I might even bump that up to eight, just to see how it feels, um, because that's that's a big one for it. As you find out, as that uh, stretches out a bit, it can it can do it. Um, I mean, grip is huge to it, um, just because it's you know it doesn't take much for it. I've I've consciously because then it eventually just becomes unconscious to it of like rolling the elbow out a bit, so not as much bending the elbow, but just kind of. You know, so you're like, all right, it's pointed down when you first put your hand out when you go to shake somebody's hand. And, you know, hand up like the stop sign and just that little bit of rotation of it um, moves some of the meat of the hand out. But, no, I'd even raise the uh, I'd raise the brace height. I wouldn't, I wouldn't be afraid to go all the way up to eight and a quarter just to see how, uh, how the bow responds to it. Now, how does that, how will that throw off and affect your tune? Um, well, if you get too crazy with it, um, I mean, there will be some to it of, because it's not going to be on the uh, on the string quite as long. I mean, we're talking, you know, quarter inch here to, to half inch tops, but um, that's the thing to check. That's why it's one of those, you know, it, it it's the prep work up to the season and not shooting of where you, you try the different things to see how it reacts to it. Um, I've always gotten, when I've raised my brace height, because that's how I know when I'm like, oh, okay, it's, you know, if, it, if it's not hit my arm, um, but, but like my groups open up, I'm like, brace height. Side. I've got to, I got to check it. And it's usually out of whack. The second I get that string twisted up, I'm back to where it needs to be. My groups tighten right back up. And it's like, geez, it was as simple as that to, <laughs> to get things back to, to a good flow. So I've got another question for you. Sure. If you were to adjust the brace height, say you're running a clicker. Um, these questions, these questions might not pertain to anybody else listening, but they do to me. Um, if you're running a clicker, Mm -hmm. And you just unscrew the clicker from the limb, twist it up, get a new brace height, and screw it back in. Will the clicker stay on the same draw length? It it should, unless you're twisting a lot, because it's talking about where contact points in the string. Um, so I mean, unless you're you know unless you're having to twist a whole inch out of your string, you should be okay. Because even to get you know get a quarter of a quarter of a twist out you're you're only doing a handful of twists or quarter you know quarter of an inch right. raising your brace height you're only doing you know six or so twists usually i mean you know it always depends but um not enough where i think you'd see it right away but it would definitely be something to uh and that's why for a lot of the clickers they do um 
the balls on the one end so that you can, you know, fine tune the adjustment there. Um, I got you. But, um, but yeah, it'd be a thing to watch for. But I, you know, God, I, I couldn't think it being too critical yet, unless you were right on the hair's line of, of you know, where it was, it was set up to. Right. Um, now let's, uh, let's kind of switch gears here that way. Um, the people who are like, I don't care. You fix your own problems on your own time. <laughs> what I, I, I tell you, every every bit of it helps somebody because it's it's one of those things we, we all hit it. You know, a lot of the questions we get, um, you know, that I don't want to say repetition, but you know, a lot a lot of the same issues we all have. So you know, nobody yeah. should think that they're out there going, "Oh man, I'm the only guy that's doing this. I'm a terrible shot." You know, I I, I can't do it because, I mean, that's. That's what I have a whole uh, a whole department. My tech guys. It's you know from when the phones turn on to they go off. Of like, I'd say eighty percent of it is just helping answering tech questions, whether it's phone calls, emails, or messages we get, <laughs> letters, whatnot. Of just helping people, you know, fine tune their setup or what you know what, what am I not thinking of? Because we we all need we all need to bounce ideas off of people to be like yes yes this is the way to do it. And you were spot on of like, listen, you know, listen to other people, you know, whether they have more experience or not, you know, because there's, you know, uh, there's more than one way to get to the right answer here, which is yeah. part of what I love with traditional archery. You can really make it your own. <laughs> no, like, that yeah, was my, that was my biggest appeal to traditional archery. Once I really started diving in, I, you know, at first it was the simplicity. It was pull back and shoot. But then when I when I started diving into it, I'm like, this is so much more complex than the bow is simpler, but everything else is more complex because with that a compound, you can tune any arrow to any bow pretty much. But right. with a, a recurve, it's man, it's a lot of time, effort. Like I, I probably spent two weeks just just tuning my bow before I ever started really just shooting and enjoying shooting the bow, you know? Um, and, and it was fun. Like it was frustrating at times because I'm like, well, why am I getting anyways? But, um, you know, you're digesting all of these things. Okay. I'm getting knock right and I'm getting high and I'm getting, so you play with brace height, you play with knock height and you play with stiffening your arrow, weakening your, I mean, it's so fun, man. It's so, yep. it's so rewarding at the end of the day when you see that arrow fly perfectly and you're like, man. And that's, that's it exactly. It's the reward from it. That's it's traditional archery is a great sport slash hobby because you can make it as simple or as complicated as you want for you. And it's whatever, you know, whatever hits with you. I mean, you're right. When, when you start out, you're just throwing arrows and you know, you're happy to hit the target and you can even shoot really good. I see a lot of people the first time you put the bow in their hand before they even, you know, the whole thought process to it all really sinks into it and they're hitting the goal and you're like, yeah, awesome. Great. And you can do that and you can love doing that. And there's nothing wrong with that. And then you can get, you know, down to, man, I need to be 22% FOC. I've got to have, you know, <laughs> uh, yeah. uh, you know, sorry, um, you know, a gap that's uh, a point on at 30 yards and, you know, anything and everything you want to to fine tune it. But that's, it's definitely part of the reward to it where you go, yes, I executed that shot. Great. And that arrow in flight was perfect. And it just, it, you can't put into words how good it feels. But then those guys that walk out there and shoot and shoot good make you mad. <laughs> I had a guy once. He used to creep. We were shooting a shooting a, a 3D shoot, and he never had the same anchor. He'd draw to the same, but he'd creep forward anywhere from three inches to like seven inches. 
and he was shooting better than I was that day. I mean, I was just having a rough day, but I'm looking at this going, how the heck is he beating me? (laughs) (laughs) No, my, my brother, um, my brother took the, took the dive into shooting a recurve the same time I did. Uh, but I had shot a compound for, you know, however many years, uh, and, and he hadn't. And, uh, and man, I'm the kind of guy that like, I'm, I'm anal about tune and about spine and, and all these things. And, and I practice every single day and not too long ago, my brother comes over and, uh, he was, I had a hog target out at 30 yards and dude was just stacking them. And I'm like, you gotta be kidding me. Like, how is this, you know? And I'm like, kudos for you, man. And, uh, we walked back inside and my dad was like, how'd you shoot? And I'm like, he shot like crap. I shot really good. (laughs) Obviously my dad knew I was lying when I have to shout it out like that, but. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, and you know, it's so nice to see that where it's like, wow, you know, because we can't, you know, that's one thing where you know, we run into it a lot with people where you put so much pressure on it to like, no, it's you know, it should be this and it should be just fine. It's like you just got to remember, it's you know, it's supposed to be rewarding and fun. Yeah, and when somebody can do that, absolutely amazing. Uh, you know, heck, we all love seeing new people in the sport and and that. You know that spark as it just grows in them of when they're they're shooting good, and they're enjoying it. Yeah. And uh, oh, good. I was just uh, so having brothers of my own, and that I definitely uh, can relate to that. Like, no, 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 I'm supposed to be beating you at this. Like, that's that's how this goes. <laughs> yeah. No, it's and, and that's why that's why I love uh, again going back to just kind of the appeal to it. It's like you know, shooting a compound is more complex. You have to walk people through um release and peep site and peep alignment with the housing and and all of those things and and you know we could go into that for you know how however much goes into a recurve or a, a compound but and then you can get somebody a recurve and just say man just enjoy shooting it and they can shoot it really well and you're like wow you're just a simply put you're a natural and uh it made me mad uh, i don't know if you know who it didn't make me mad it made me proud but it made me jealous um I don't know if you know who Harv Ebers is, um, one of the founding members of Pope and Young. Uh, he was kind of the, the guy that led me through uh, having a, a, a good shot process. And again, I had shot a compound for 10 plus years and me and my brother traveled to Harv's house and and my brother gets out his bow and, and starts shooting. And Harv was like, oh, my gosh, you're good. That's a perfect form. And I'm like, how? Like. <laughs> <laughs> mine sucks over here you know i'm cranking everything and pulling everything and 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 you've just got this perfect form and and perfect back tension and and you know perfect release and but again it's just that's part of the part of the the appeal to traditional archery is just you can pick it up and be good at it right right and then you can you can invest and and you know it'd be a whole different bear and uh yeah yeah i i, I love to me, that's part I love, you know, it's because other than it's, you know, the challenge of, of getting the shot and, and get, especially in the hunting side of it, of, you know, getting close and, and making all that right. But then also, you know, what goes into the shot? I mean, uh, traditional arts, there's so many different ways to go about it from the instinctive to, you know, uh, point on gap, string walking, all of that. It's like, wow, there is just it's oh. such a big pie that, that, you can just find your spot on it that that you like and really dive in. I guess I wasn't done with my tech questions. I have one more for you. Thank you for mentioning string walking. 
Um, so with such a heavy arrow, I don't have to string walk, but I used to string, I used to shoot a fixed crawl. Now, my question is this, if you're going to shoot a fixed crawl on a bow, do you begin the entire process from the beginning, trying to tune your arrow with a crawl, or do you find your tune, you know, shooting three under and then work your fingers down and, and retune as you go? Does that make sense? Yeah. Uh, yes. Yes, it does. And I would say you, you tune first for, you know, for that standard shot, you know, before you, for me, I wouldn't like, if we we're starting to uh, teach somebody on our try, I wouldn't be like, all right, we're going to set you up where you'd be, you know, a uh, uh, string walking and, and, you know, fixed, fixed crawl and all that. You work on the basics first of, okay, get the arrow shooting great, just like this without, you know, um, um, jumping around on it and then tune your way down. Because you might find, you know, depending how far of a, a fixed crawl you need to go, all right, well, we need to tweak the bow's tiller on that, um, you know, to compensate. And then everything would be just fine. But you got to have it tuned right. You got to have the right setup before you go expanding out from there. So if you walk down the string, um, what's, is there any kind of guarantee? Like if you walk down the string, your knock point has to go up. If you walk down the string, your brace height has to, is there anything like that? Uh, I mean, because a lot of it's going to have to do with, you know, distance and, and the arrow itself is going to have a lot in it. Um, I can't think of anything off the top of my head would be like, all right, this is, you know, this is a, a, a staple, write it down and not in paper and pen. It's like, this is what you're going to have to do. You know, if you go down half an inch on the string, you're going to have to, you know, um, raise your tiller, you know, a quarter inch or any of that. Um yeah, yeah. I, you see, and I'm I'm still uh, the old fashioned uh, instinctive guy myself. <laughs> so, no, somebody asked me, and I didn't know how to explain it to them. Um, other than saying I'm an instinctive gap shooter is basically what I I how I explain it. Um, you know, I tell them I know my point on is 34 yards, um, but I never like range find and hold under accordingly. Right. Um, I just instinctively look at my point on and hold under, I hold under instinctively. Um, but I'm still gap shooting. I just do it instinctively. Um, and, and they were like, okay, I have no idea what you're talking about, but let's move on. But, um, <laughs> uh, no, so that's kind of what I do, but on my old setup, my point on was like 50 yards. So, um, you know, I was holding four feet under the deer at 20 and i'm like okay i gotta walk you know i can't i can't do that right um, right and so but this this is pretty well perfect um right. i really like the point on of 34 yards yeah and and the the fixed crawl is great for that because yeah i'm like all right i just i just need to have that that second reference point of where okay i do this and yeah you're bringing it to a much more manageable spot to be like okay this i can work with and right. uh and yeah, that's which is why I think it's grown in such popularity because it, it is that that blend of it all. Like, all right, well, I'm not counting strands, and I don't need to have you know a rangefinder on me to to be able to shoot an arrow. But it gives you it gives you a level of a, of reference where you go, okay, you know, I know what I'm looking for, I know what it's at, but it's still in your control. Right. So, what kind of hunts you got planned coming up? Oh uh, well, um. This year, actually, it's going to be a quiet year. I seem to do this. It's like every other year. Um, so my uh, my family's moving. We're, we're staying in the same area, but we're building a house. So I'll be moving on October 1st, which I know is 
terrible time <laughs> to be doing it, but uh, you know, that's, that's just the way the cookie crumbles. So I'll just be staying local here in Indiana, um, do some deer hunting, hoping to get some of the girls out there with me. I've got three girls, so I'm hoping to get them out in the blind with me and just sit. Um, outside of that, nothing this year. Last year I was able to go to Alaska and I fell into a, being a replacement guy on a hunt to go back to Alaska next year for black bear. So I'm uh, very excited about that. Nice. Um, yeah, hope to go for moose in Colorado, get a cow tag next year. I've been putting in points, and I didn't draw this year, so next year, fingers crossed, I should be uh, uh, hopefully aiming to fill the freezer with moose, and that'll be my first moose ever, so I'm very, very excited to do that. Um, that is yeah. exciting, man. Yeah, and then uh, I, I'm talking with a, a good friend of mine about going pig hunting, and uh, hopefully in February, and I'm like, yep, yep, I need to I need to break the year up. Uh, these past two Texas? years have been... Uh, no, and uh, um, I think it'll be Tennessee, but I'll have to check on, on where he, he actually had it. So one of those where he goes, man, I really want to do this. And you just, you know, you roll and they're like, yeah, let's do it. What, you know, why are we talking about it? <laughs> <laughs> I get myself into a lot of predicaments that way. My right, wife's well, like, wait, why are you going hunting? And I'm like, I don't know. I'm just going. <laughs> well, and that was, uh, that was the kicker on the pig one. Cause uh, a few years back I was in Texas and I got some, uh, some eater size pigs. I filled a a cooler uh, with 50 pounds, you know, just so I could fly it back. And um, it was so delicious. My wife, she turns to me after having some brats and she goes, you can go hunt pigs anytime you want if they taste this good. (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. Uh, I I absolutely love pig hunting. It's, it's, it's such a great way. It's such a great way to hone your skills. Uh, Whether you want to, whether you want to get out and practice putting a stock on an animal, um, whether you want to get out and test gear, uh, whether, I mean, it's such a great way because you can shoot so many. And if you blow a stock, don't worry, you'll find more. If you miss, don't worry, you'll find more. I mean, it's just, it's such a fantastic way to get your feet wet. Yep. Yep. And really, uh, really playing the wind. Cause like, uh, uh the, I mean, they're, they're built for the traditional bow in particular, just cause yeah, you, exactly that. It's it's a great one to get your feet wet. You can get in close, and you can try a bunch of different ways to do it. Like I love spot and stock for it, and um, but but there's just there's so many options, and and they're so delicious. <laughs> so I uh, yeah, they are. I I don't want them living around me because I know how destructive they are. But man, I right. will jump. I will jump to go pig hunting. Well, man, uh, we uh we made a little trip last year down to Texas. Um me and Alec and uh we didn't I don't think we ever saw hogs uh but we got into some javelinas and that was a ball Oh yeah yeah I've got a I've got a few of those I did a uh, um, on western side of Texas did some javelina hunting back in the day and those those are fun when they uh when they start chomping and they uh flare their hair up <laughs> Yeah ball it's a good time too. It's a good time for sure um, now I've got to, I've got to share a story and in this story, um, I need to give my field note for the episode. Um, if you follow me on social media and if you've listened to the podcast at all, you know that, uh, this was my first year really hunting with the recurve, um, with a full effort put forth into hunting with a recurve. I've practiced tirelessly. I have put in as much work as humanly possible to make sure I was ready. And, uh, it finally all came 
to a conclusion. Well, I shouldn't say conclusion because the chapter, the book is just starting. But um, I got my first notch on my belt. Went to Missouri uh, for uh, early season and shot my first deer with a recurve and my first deer in velvet. And uh, and so that was just a absolute. It was the most overwhelming sense of accomplishment I've ever had in my lifetime. Um, because all of the hard work, all of the time spent was finally worth it. And it was, it was like a deer I've never shot before. Shot a lot bigger deer and I've made better shots on deer and I've shot further deer, but that deer to me meant more than anything because of all the work that went into it. So I shot him at 13 yards out of a blind with one of my best friends. And it was just an absolute joy. But the field note I want to leave you with is this. If you're starting in archery as a whole with a compound or with a recurve or even a a crossbow, or you're starting hunting, period, get your feet wet. Like, <laughs> don't hold out for giants. Don't say, well, I, you know, I, I want one of those big deer I see on Instagram. Shoot whatever comes in first. If it's a doe, if it's a a, a fork and horn, a, a, if it's a legal fork and horn in your state, wherever you're hunting, but shoot whatever legal deer comes in first, because I might not have shot a giant, but now in my mind, it's doable. Everything that I've been working towards, I now know that I can make it happen. And I posted on Instagram today and uh, just a video of me shooting, but I said, it's amazing how much better I shoot because I'm confident in knowing that I can make the shot happen when it's, when it counts. And that's exactly what it'll do for you. And that's what hog hunting will do for you. Go hog hunting, go coyote hunting, whatever it is, uh, go small game hunting. It doesn't matter. But what you're going to do is you're going to build that confidence and understanding. Okay. I can actually do this. Like this is doable. It's not just a target, a foam target at, at 20 yards, but I can harvest an animal with this um, because now, now I, and I don't say this like as in I've got everything figured out, but I say this as in like, there's no stopping me now. Like now I know it can be done. Now I know that, you know, when it's time to make the shot, I can make the shot. And so, man, it's it's exciting. So if you're new to archery, Go out and get your feet wet. Doesn't matter what it is. Doesn't matter if it's a a, a doe or a, a a yearling. Doesn't matter if it's legal. Just shoot it. Uh, because I told my buddy that deer came in and uh, it came to thirteen yards and it was standing per uh, perfectly quartering away. And I was like, dude, I'm gonna I'm gonna take the shot. And he's like, we have bigger deer out here. Um, you know, because I was hunting on his property. He's like, we've got bigger deer coming into this place. I'm like, it doesn't matter, dude. This deer's right here, and it's at 13 yards, and I have a shot. And I took it, and I couldn't be happier. So, guys, don't be afraid to go out and build that that confidence. Absolutely. Absolutely. And that was a beautiful buck, too. <laughs> for, that, uh, for a first buck, that, or that's a, that was a beautiful buck. Heck, I, uh, I can tell you, I was in my late 20s before I ever passed on a deer. <laughs> that's because <laughs> I was my, my first time in Iowa, and I... Uh, it was such a surreal feeling of like, I let a deer walk by because I'm like, I'm in Iowa. You don't get here often. And, you know, you know what they got out there. And uh, yeah. 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 <laughs> but you're right. Yeah. And I will uh, add to that. 
uh, bow fishing is huge for beginners because um, you want to get shooting in and getting results. That's an awesome way too, because that's about every state too has got uh, some level of bow fishing to it. Really, uh, that's a great tip, Max. I've never heard that. Uh, you know, oh. I grew up with a bunch of dumb rednecks who like to go out and do it, but I always just kind of thought it was. Uh, yeah, I've always just kind of thought it was more of a, uh, a a complete different. You know, it has no relation to actually shooting a bow or bow hunting. Uh, well, I mean, for getting comfortable with the bow, because a lot of it's quick action shots. So, yeah. us growing up, uh, we were in Wisconsin, so we were uh, uh, we got tons of carp on the on the Fox River, and that we would have the best garden <laughs> in the state almost <laughs> with uh, using them as fertilizer. And um, I mean, I think that's where I got most of my instinctive shooting experience from uh, as a young kid was uh, was bow fishing because. We'd get such opportunities, and we could go out every weekend, and everybody was thankful you were shooting them. Um, so yeah, yeah, that one was that for us was was real big. Great tip, go out and bowfish. Um, one guy told me, and I'm going to say his name, but if I'm wrong, don't shoot me down. Uh, I think it was Chris Perino, and and we were talking about learning how to shoot a bow, and he's like, "Well, dude, never shoot the same the same shot twice." Um, like don't just stand at 20 yards and shoot at your target. And he said, the best way that I've found is get a tennis ball and just throw it and wherever it lands, shoot at it because you're not going to know the distance. You're not going to know, you're not going to be shooting the same distance twice. It's going to be, you know, in tall grass or in short grass or behind a a rock or over by a tree. And and you're going to have to make different shots every time. And, uh, and my dad told me, um, you know, I got good at bow hunting when I started small game hunting, uh, which really is the same, you know, same kind of concept. But um, so that's another great tip for learning how to just kind of instinctively draw back and shoot. Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and there's a there's a few different prone targets where you just you throw them out there and they've got like sand in the base to where, you know, they land flat. So you always have, you know, have them at least faced up right. But um, yeah, no, that's that's why I love shooting outdoors with it, because um you know, you can't, you just, all right, just change it up, move over here for your feet. You know, if you shoot from the same spot day after day after day, you're going to be amazing there, or at least you better be. <laughs> but then when, you know, then when you have to take a, a different shot, you know, you fall apart because you're like, well, that's, it's not how my mind, you know, sees how the shot needs to happen. This is how it's supposed to be. But yeah, just always move it. I, uh, one thing I like to do is, um, and as silly as it sounds, but like, I will break I'll break my uh, my stance, like with the floor. I just I shake my legs. So you know, right leg up, shake it. Left leg up, shake it. Just separating uh, from the last shot. Just so even if it's if, you know, because uh, at our shop we got you know one target range upstairs. There's not a lot to play with, but at least just just doing that to where okay, I'm not you know same spot. Draw shoot, draw shoot, draw shoot. I'm just trying to to to, to break with the ground so it's a fresh shot. But yeah, oh, that's a great tip. Fantastic. Doesn't yeah, sound then, you know, silly it's, at all. It's all in the head. It's all in the head, but it's you know that's where all this happens <laughs> for ninety percent of it is right between the ears. So anything you can to keep uh, your edge there, go for it. No, yeah, there's an exact correlation because, um, and I don't remember who this study was put out by, and it doesn't quite matter, but um, it was on shooting free throws, and the person said, you know, if you're in a a free throw shooting contest and you're shooting best of ten, um and you're going against somebody, toss them the ball just a little to the right where they have to step off from where they were 
and they're basically starting all over again. You know? Okay. <laughs> they're having to replant their feet, find everything. I mean, it's, it's so, so it's, and I don't know this, the reasoning behind it or the brain, I, you know, I don't know all that good stuff, but I do know that it's, it's, that makes perfect sense in my mind because of that study on shooting a, a basketball, which is fully instinctive as well. So. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's one, well, I guess part of it, I do look down, you know, I break my, uh, my contact with the, with the target and it's like, all right, you know, fresh. I definitely do it. I, I force myself to do it. If I start shooting, you know, some bad rounds and that, and you're like, all right, all right, stop, you know, reset. So deep breath, shake the feet, look down, look back up at the target and start new. Now I've got two questions for you before I let you go. Uh, but before I ask those, I do got to give a quick thank you to our friends over at the John V. Mesh Memorial Scholarship. Um, John Mesh was a firefighter in the Kansas City area, died in the line of duty. Uh, he had a strong desire to get kids involved in the outdoors. So now his brother Jim Mesh has started a memorial fund in his name, and they hold events uh, across the country for children to come and get involved with. They just had one. And it was a roaring success. Um, so go check them out at Hunt363 um, on social media. That was his firefighter number. Uh, go check them out. And uh, I would really strongly consider you supporting them um, because they make a difference in getting kids involved in archery. and Not in just in archery, but in, in skeet shooting and, and rifle hunting and every aspect of the outdoors. So go check out the John V. Mess Memorial Scholarship. Um, Jonathan, I'm big on uh, field notes because Fred Bear is big on field notes. So I ask every single one of my my guests, what's one field note you've taken over the years? Um, just a quick tip or trick um, that I can put in my back pocket and make myself a better hunter with. Oh, well, uh, it's probably not a unique one, but, um, you know, don't be afraid to make changes, uh, especially in the woods. Um I think a lot of us, cause you know, I grew up stand hunter and it's like, nope, nope, this is my stand. This is, this is, you know, this is where you got to be. This, you know, uh, if the wind changes, if, you know, if, if something changes, don't, don't muscle through it, you know, flow with the hunt. I've climbed down from trees and sat on the ground on, you know, the opposite side where I never would have thought I would just because it's like, okay, the, the wind shifted on me or something swirling or, or something changed to where, yeah, I remember one was a branch just fell and there was no way to make any changes. It's like, well, I'm either going to just spend a day enjoying, enjoying being outdoors or I can make a move and I can keep hunting. And that's what I did. And I won't say that night, you know, oh yeah, I've killed the biggest buck of my life because of it, but I was able to change and still keep hunting. And that's, that's one for me, uh, uh, a note for the ones of, I think everybody needs to do more like be ready to adapt, I guess is a short to it. But. Yeah. No, a good friend of mine one time, uh, told me don't hunt the best tree stand. And I'm like, what? And he's like, we all have that best tree stand. You know, that's where our shooters coming in at. That's where it's going to happen. We know that. Um, and, and oftentimes if we have the opportunity to hunt, we just go to that tree stand. But don't always just go to that tree stand. Find what tree stand is the best for that day, you know, for the wind and for uh, the thermals or, or whatever it might be. And uh, don't always just run to that number one spot um, because that number one spot not, might, might not be the best for that day. No, right. And, that, and you, I mean, once you burn a spot out, especially when you start getting to a, 
and a more mature deer in that. You know, the, <laughs> they don't have borders or, or property lines they respect. They'll go, you know, I'm going to go that way. And you might never see them again. So, yeah, absolutely. Um, make sure you're, you're hunting the best spot for the day. Because, yeah, yeah, very much. I've, where we're moving, it's only six acres. So, I mean, not, not a lot of land at all for it. But it's like I like to have at least two stands. You go, okay, the wind's going to come this way like it almost always will. This is the spot. But if it's not going to happen, this isn't my favorite, but this will get me in a better spot for not busting everything out of there. Because especially for, you know, when you're hunting small property like that, you're not going to get <laughs> a lot of chances with deer. You know, if they yeah. get skittish, with you, they're just going to go one acre over and then they're on the neighbor's property. And it's like, okay. Yeah. <laughs> no, I always keep a, um, I don't know what brand it is. It's just a little dinky thing. I bought it up. Uh, uh, like a farm store here, but it's just a little pop-up wall. And uh, I keep that in my pack no matter what, even if I'm hunting in a tree stand. That way, if I do need to get down and go set up in a in a drainage or something or in a, you know, in a behind a tree, at least I have something to pop up in front of me. Um, and so I, I always carry that with me um, just in case. And so it's something I just started doing last year because I, I wanted to be more adaptive and wanted to be more, um, mobile and more, you know, not tied down to the one spot. So, um, I also got to ask you this and you already shared about pig meat. Um, I've got some incredible friends over at rebel six, uh, rubs. Um, they make nine different rubs for all different wild game. And, uh, I'm a big fan of eating wild game and consuming wild game. And so I like to ask my guests, um, you know, maybe you want to share your favorite wild game you've ever had, or maybe you want to share a wild game dish that you found to be, uh, good to make whatever. Um, or maybe one particular meal, you know, some guys just say, well, I can't tell you my favorite wild game, but I can tell you about a meal I had in Alaska once, you know? <laughs> um, right, right. so, so what's, uh, what's, what's your favorite wild game? Oof, what well, definitely, definitely peg. I mean, uh, um, cause I don't, you know, chase the big 400 pounders running around the I'd happily do it. But me, when I see those little, you know, 50 to 75 pounders, I just sal get salivating because I'm like, yep, yep, you're going in the freezer. Um, but from that, I think one thing that I've, I've learned only, you know, over probably the past six years or so is that, uh, uh, that, that fancy way to cook a wild game, the sous vide, um, which basically it's just a water heater. So, you know, instead of putting a, a, the meat on the grill right away, you, you cook it in, in a, a temperature controlled water for longer. And I find that to be amazing, no matter what wild game you're using, because it keeps the flavor in it. And uh, it sounds silly because, you know, I'm, you know, a <laughs> uh, little redneck in the sense, like, no, there's, you know, you can throw it on the grill and cook it and eat it. But man, when you can keep that flavor uh, in the meat like that, especially wild game, which is, you know, pretty lean in itself, that's, uh, that takes it to a whole new level. Man, you're speaking my language um, because I love sous vide. Uh, I don't know if you can use that in a, I don't know if you can say sous vide, um, but I love using <laughs> that cooking method. <laughs> um, yep, yep. No, you need to go check out uh, Rebel Six Rubs. They have a wild boar um, rub. And let me just tell you something it's really good on bacon as well, just regular store bought bacon sprinkled over it while it's frying your bacon and uh 
I love it. Guys, go check out Rebel Six Rubs. Uh, you can use Bear 101 at discount uh, at checkout for a discount and uh, get yourself some amazing rubs um, for all different sorts of wild game. Jonathan, thank you so much for coming on, my friend. Uh, tell us where we can find Three Rivers, and do you have anything going on this fall um, that the listeners need to know about? Well, I mean, uh, you can find us uh, anywhere and everywhere at, at Three Rivers Archery. That's the number three, Rivers Archery. Um, uh, on our web, is always updating in that, riversarchery.com, Instagram, Facebook, you know, all the regulars. Um, for what we're doing this year, well, uh, <laughs> we're doing a great job keeping stuff on the shelf. And that's, uh, uh, as I think we can see in every, every industry, is uh, uh, a talent all on its own anymore. Um, you know, we're offering free shipping on uh, orders of $99 plus when you order online. Use our code uh, SHIP99. Um, sign up for our emails, which you can do from our website, or give us a call, and we'll get you signed up to get the latest deals that we pop up and uh, uh, always offering special uh, special buys on arrows because who doesn't need more arrows? Um, but, yeah, yeah, swing by the website, sign up, or uh, give us a call, and we'll send you a catalog. They also have – you guys also have some – in some awesome Fred bear uh, branded products that are exclusive to three rivers. Yep. Yep. We've offered uh, quite a bit this year, uh, belt buckles some 10 signs that are real affordable and look great on any wall. Uh, the belt buckles, I'm actually really excited about those. Uh, those are pretty uh, snazzy. I, uh, I personally am a fan of that, that, uh, that hat you guys have. Oh, uh, the stormy Cromer. Yeah. Yes. Yep. Yep, yep, yep. <laughs> yeah, and that one's uh, that's the all wool one. We were like, we need an all wool one, but we got to have the bear logo on it. It just, it just, it, it, it's too right uh, to have it that way. So, guys, go check out Three Rivers uh, for anything you need traditional wise. They carry a lot of my favorite brands, um, including, of course, Bear Archery, um, Easton, Selway, uh, just a lot of brands that that I have come to um, love. So go check out Three Rivers, um, and they also have some incredible bear archery products that you can't get anywhere else. ThreeRiversArchery.com. They are the powerhouse one-stop shop for all things traditional. Guys, thank you for listening. Good luck this fall, and as always, if you get a harvest and if you get uh, a deer on the ground, make sure and shoot me over some pictures. Um, you can send them to the hunting 101 podcast at gmail.com. I love to share and celebrate any of your success with you. Good luck this fall. You guys have a great week. 